For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Green, are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> this is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. It is a Birds 365 morning. Thank you very much for streaming on in with us. Us being the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. You are Birds 365 guys with one, not two and two, just one week until Eagles report officially to camp and the 2022 season gets underway. J-Mac, since last we checked out 22 hours ago, there is actual Eagle news. Don't always get that the week out from camp. Everybody is in just wait and see mode, but they actually made a roster move yesterday. Not earth shattering, but a roster move just the same. They released one of the 86 cornerbacks they had on the <laughs> roster. Uh, Craig James, who's been here for a good couple of years now, uh, both on the regular roster and on the practice squad, was given his walking papers I remember Craig James making a play here or there over the last three years. Nothing really to uh, circle on your uh, play sheet or to commit to memory, but he did make a couple of plays. My only question for you is, why yesterday? It, it just seems like a different type of time to be making this decision. If you thought Craig James wasn't good enough to play for you, they could have released him a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, two months ago. Why, why yesterday to say, Craig, thanks for the memories? Uh, it's a good question. Maybe his agent, you know, took a look at the roster and said, wow, there's 13 cornerbacks on, on a 90-man roster. You're the math guy, Jody, but that's, you know, what is that? Close to 15% of the roster is cornerbacks. Um, Craig's buried deep and maybe said, hey, look, could you do us a – uh, solid and released him a little bit early. Maybe he can catch on, but you're right. I mean, could have done that a month ago. Could have done that two months ago. I mean, you know, it's clearly, if, if I were to 
you know, go from one through 13, cornerback one, Craig would have been CB 13, not from a talent standpoint, but from a realism uh, of trying to make the roster standpoint, because, you know, he's a special teams guy. He's been injured a lot. Uh, probably will be best known for making that play against Green Bay when the Eagles were really up against it. And he saved the game uh, with the past uh, breakup. Um, but, you know, you want to look at the young guys and they brought in three pretty high profile undrafted rookies. Then they got Bradbury and all of a sudden, you know, there's just no path to the roster. So you might as well let them catch on somewhere else and, and, who knows? He might be back down the road. You know how these things work. And and they, the Eagles know what they have in Craig James. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to stay healthy. I think that more than anything. Once they moved on from him as a special teams player, which they kind of did last year, you knew, you know, his time was 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 running short. And you've got a uh, optimistic outlook on it that they're trying to do him a favor. I don't know if the Eagles are, if that is in play here or not. I'm not saying that I know it's not, but uh, I just see it as a numbers game. And here's the number that I have that I will question, and that's now 89. There are 90 men allowed on the roster at this time of year. Is there someone out there that they're targeting? Is Um, there something in the offing that they needed to have – a roster spot. You can do that uh, in, in the moment. Yeah. You, you go pick up somebody, boom, you really release the other guy. You put the two of them on the same exact release, or should I say on the same tweet since NFL moves are now announced on Twitter as yeah. much as anywhere else these days. Uh, but do you think there's someone that just maybe the Eagles are looking at, he's sitting out there and they go, Hey, if we don't sign him to a contract here soon, somebody else is going to do so. Could that be the case? Yeah, I mean they're going to bring in another guy. They have an open spot. They're going to have. They're going to bring somebody in. <clears throat> I think the people looking at oh, oh, they're making room for Jesse Bates. I think they're insane. Uh, you know, maybe they're trying to pick up a punter. Who knows to give Aaron Seapos some. They do have ninety players because they have Matt Leo, so he doesn't count the international pathway program for the third year. So they get an extra guy, um, and they'll fill the spot before training camp. But yeah, I mean, those people say, Oh, the trade must be coming. <laughs> no, it's just run of the mill, boring back, back of the roster churn. Uh, you know, tight end. We talked about a lot is another position. They have a bunch of them, but you know, maybe you want more of a veteran type uh, to, to um, feel a little bit more comfortable behind Dallas Goddard. Uh, you do have Richard Rodgers, but we know what this team feels about Richard Rodgers. Um, you know, those would be the three positions I would look. I would look at punter. I would look at tight end. Um, um, and what else did I say? I already forgot. But those are sort of it. it it's back end roster churn. I don't think it's a signal of big things to come. Or mm, yeah, no, I do. First round pick going to Cincinnati. I don't think you have to worry about that. It's just the fact that they did it eight days out from camp that kind of grabbed my attention. Because if nothing else, you open up camp, you let everybody get in there, you go through a couple of drills, and go, yeah, Craig James is number thirteen. That's you know, Mack and maybe 
Yeah, maybe Craig said, you know what? Uh, I don't want to go there for a couple days. You know, come on, let's expedite this thing. So, could have been a lot of reasons. And how much of that really goes on, John? That uh, a general manager, knowing full well, slap a percentage on it. Percentage chance he makes the roster less than one percent. Um, that a general manager will, on a request from an agent, say, "Yeah, the, uh, do I really want to play to the one percent here?" No, it may generate some goodwill. Don't know who Craig James's agent even is, and if he's got other players uh, around and about the league that maybe someday you're going to need a little bit of a compromising. You look him in the eye and go, "Remember when I released Craig to do you guys that solid?" Uh, <laughs> how how much do you does that really play into something like this? I think it 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 happens more than people think. Okay. Um, I don't think it happens uh, a ton. Um, I think it happens in in situations where you have, for uh, a, for instance, to use Craig as an example, a, a veteran player has been there. Um, you know, you're not going to do it with a rookie. You know, a rookie's you're, you're expected to be on the back of the depth chart and work your way up, and that's just the nature of it. An undrafted guy, Josh Job or a Josh Blackwell or. A, Mario Goodrich. I mean, they're expected to show up and fight, even though the odds are against him. Here's a guy who's done a little bit for the organization, and um, you know, he's been around for a while. He's well liked, and you know, if you could do him a solid, that that kind of stuff happens. Um, you know, back when the Eagles brought in Tim Tebow, that was a favor, really. You know, they didn't, they weren't. You know, Tim Tebow. In, in the greatest tradition in sports, as you know, Jody, that has now ended the final preseason game between the Eagles and Jets, Tim Tebow made the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he, he played great in that game. He didn't have a chance because they didn't want him. I, you know, I, they, they did him a favor and said, you know, we'll keep your name alive. And it happens all the time. It happens, but, but it's usually veteran players on who are well-liked, you know, on the cusp, you'll do him a favor. And Craig James is one of those guys. He has been around for a couple of years, uh, so that may very well be the case. I just uh, was a little surprised at the timing of it and thought there's got to be more here than meets the eye, but it may just be as simplistic as you're laying out uh, the Eagles trying to do a solid uh, by a player who has been on the roster for a couple of years and uh, maybe his uh, agent put an unofficial request in for his relief. I, Jay Mac, we talked about this yesterday. You brought it up, um, and I want to expound on it a little bit today, and that's uh, attempted deception by the Philadelphia Eagles. You pointed out that they were uh, the least motion team in the National Football League last year. Out of 32 teams, they put players in motion less than anyone else. And when Nick Sirianni was hired, we all believed it was at least in part because he was going to be new and creative and different and bring some things to Philadelphia that we've never seen before. Well, that did not manifest itself in motion on offensive plays called. Uh, they were pretty darn stagnant, as a matter of fact. Um, I, I, kudos to you for being able to spot this, go back through the research and the like. I didn't realize it last year. I remember watching games. I'm going, I, they don't use motion much and shrug it off and move on thereafter. But when you make a uh, point to the uh, degree of 
32nd out of 32 teams in the National Football League. That's something that grabs your attention. And you say, whoa, really? Um, they didn't use it last year. Here's the question I have for you. Well, two questions, twofold, as a matter of fact. Number one is, why? It, there had to be some kind of re- – when uh, the head coach was the offensive pointer in Indianapolis, they weren't 32nd in the league in motion. It might not have been a key aspect of the offense, but it wasn't dead last in the league. So why do you think it was that they were 32nd in offense? Give me some reasons behind it. And do you think that is something that they are going to realize and say, hey, we need to take slightly more advantage of it. We shouldn't be 32nd in anything in the National Football League. Why would we be 32nd? I know someone has to be, um, but doesn't necessarily have to be the team that you're following or rooting for. Um, Do you think they will make a concerted effort to use more motion this year? Yes, uh, but not a lot. Uh, Yes, because... You know, people like me are making a big deal out of it. <laughs> it's a worthwhile big deal, Johnny Mac. Yeah. I say give yourself credit rather than uh, second guess. Well, I I talk to a lot of people, and when I I because I remember Nick getting a lot, not a lot, but a little bit of grief after the Dallas game. So I went back and I looked, and sure enough, they didn't use motion once in that game. And he said, you know, we're not going to motion. Uh, just to motion, which makes sense to me, to be honest. I mean, uh, I I don't you – know, and then you have – and I said yesterday on the show, you have the Sean McVay sort of thought process, which is the other end of the spectrum that, you know, try to fool the opposing defense essentially, try to get their eyes moving in, in the wrong direction. And I know from talking to Jim Schwartz many times, that's really affects the defense that really, it's really hard, especially with young players to be disciplined, even you, even when you know what's going on. So then I went back to when the the Eagles play the Rams and they got blitzed, I think it was 37, 19 in, in the 2020 season. And, you know, before the game, Jim was talking about it. Jim was talking about the pre-snap motion. Jim was talking about you just got to do your job. You just got to, um, you know, ignore it essentially and keep your your eyes where they're supposed to be. And Rodney McLeod said the same thing. Veteran player, you know, over 30, been around, seen it all, won a Super Bowl. And they he said the same thing. And the game showed up and they couldn't do it. And they were all over the place and they're chasing ghosts. And after the game, Rodney said it, we knew what was coming. We just couldn't, couldn't do it. Um, it, Because it's tough to be disciplined. It's tough to communicate. It's tough to get all those 11 pieces on the same page. Um, So I do think there's value in motion. I do think it's overrated um, to, to a certain degree. Um, especially when it comes to the quarterback. A lot of people think motion is designed to give the quarterback information. It's usually not. Um, you know, quarterbacks like Tom Brady, they're just going to read the the middle linebacker for protection. They're going to read the free safety, and they're going to figure out what the coverage is. I mean, those guys, those guys know because they've done it. They've seen it. They've seen everything. You don't need to give them information. They know. It listen to Tony Romo in the booth. Tony Romo will tell you what's coming. 
because he knows what's coming from where the, the, the free safety is and what cover, the coverage is going to be. Those types of quarterbacks don't need information pre-snap. So it's not about that, and I think a lot of people think it is. But it, it is about taking advantage of, you know, certain unique talents. The Eagles happen to have one. And I mentioned that yesterday as well in Devontae Smith. We all talked about Devontae Smith's lack of size and, you know, it proved to be overblown because he's 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 uh, a really good player and he stayed healthy and hopefully that continues. But you know what? He is 166 pounds. And if you do have a big corner um, like A.J. Brown's going to be able to get off press coverage, A.J. Brown's going to going to be able to get off press coverage because he's 226 pounds. And he's stronger than everybody else um, out there. You know, if somebody gets their hands on Devontae Smith, now you can say, well, you know, it's difficult, and it is difficult to get your hands on Devontae Smith. But if you do, you could stone him at the line of scrimmage if you're one of those big, rangy, powerful cornerbacks like Jalen Ramsey or Marcus Lattimore or those physical guys. They can they could get some work done. Well, how do you how do you deal with that? How did Alabama deal with it? Well, you get him off the line of scrimmage. You put him in motion. If he's in motion, there's no way you're getting your hands on him. Why aren't the Eagles taking advantage of that? Like that to me, that little piece and that little player, and that when I talked to scouts and I talked to coaches, that's what they kept saying. You know, in the modern game, there are certain players you can utilize in motion that it's going to make their job easier. For the Eagles, Devontae Smith is is number one for me because he's so good at it. But Quest Watkins in the, is, is in the same boat as well as not a bigger receiver who, who – and probably is an even better example because he's a speed guy, right? He's not, he's not going to beat you running routes at this stage of his career. So some of those corners I mentioned, if they get their hands on Quez Watkins, well – it's it, man. You just blew up the play. The 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 timing is gone. Um, you know, even if he gets open, it's not going to be at the time at the standpoint the quarterback is looking for it. Or or and we saw that a number of times where you say Jalen's got to get the ball out, or he didn't throw the ball on time. Well, maybe, but maybe the receiver wasn't where he was supposed to be on time. Like there's, there's so many, and Nick Sirianni talked about this after the Giants game. I remember we had this big conversation about the play where all the fans were taking the screenshots and Devontae's open and he missed them. And Nick went into this and I give him credit. He, he went into this basically dissertation. He was like, man, those guys, and he was talking about Devontae and Quez at the time. They ran, they ran the wrong route. They were at the wrong depth. They weren't where they were supposed to be. Um, there's all these different things. And the one thing, you know, every coach will tell you as a receiver, you cannot fool the quarterback. And by that, they mean you have to be where you're supposed to be at all times for the quarterback and where the quarterback, and that means depth. That means if it's supposed to be run at six yards, it's supposed to be run at six yards, not seven, not five. That's the kind of attention to detail Nick Sirianni talks about, especially at receiver, because he's a former receiver. He gets into it. But 
there's all these different things that come to it. But the bottom line is, Jody, when you talk about motion, 32 is 32. Everybody's using it more than you. Now, you say Indianapolis used it, but they were always bottom five. When Shane Steichen was in was with the Chargers, they were 28th or 29th. So there's nobody on this coaching staff who uses motion consistently. But you got to use it a little bit more, especially when you have a star player like Devontae Smith who can really, really take advantage of it. Um, and, and so I think it's a catch-22. Is it as important as people make it out to be? Probably not. Is it important though? Can you utilize it better? Yes, definitely. That's I think what I, would say. I think your Quez Watkins point holds more water than your Devontae Smith. And I didn't watch every single snap of all 17 Eagle games on all 22 to find out exactly how much uh, it, this played in. But if I'm an NFL defense, if I got Jalen Ramsey, all right, I feel confident Jalen Ramsey can do whatever he needs to do on any given play. And last year, of course, Devontae was Eagles number one wide receiver this year, debatable with A.J. Brown here. So you're going to have Jalen Ramsey available to cover Devontae Smith. Well, it doesn't matter because Eagles don't play the Rams this year, but you get my point. You want to get your cornerback up? You want to challenge Devontae Smith? Okay, fine. You're right. If your guy gets perfect positioning against him, gets his hands on him, gets leverage against him, you can take Devontae out of his route. And that can be majorly disadvantageous to any play that you're calling. But if you miss, Devontae Smith can make you pay because he's that good at running routes. He's going to have a step on you. He's going to be able to execute. The receiver gets open enough. The quarterback's going to be able to get him ball the ball. Big play, a first down, if not further down the field than that. You take your chances when you do that with any uh, wide receiver in the league, and there are some you would take more chances against than others. Devontae Smith is one that I would be careful. Uh, I don't care if he's 166 pounds. He's got the skills. He's got the moves. He's got the ability to, once he gets a half a step on you, really make you pay. And this year it's going to be even more so because you got A.J. Brown playing against him, so it's going to be a secondary corner that's going to try and take that advantage over him as a reason why you're a secondary corner and not the best corner on your defense. You're not that good. And Devontae Smith is going to make you pay. So if we're talking about just one-on-one battles at the line of scrimmage, I'll take my chances with Devontae Smith against basically any cornerback in the league and say he's going to win the fight more often than he's going to lose it. So I don't think that getting Devontae Smith open is the number one reason that the Eagles should run more motion. Quez is a good point because Quez doesn't have the capabilities of Devontae Smith. He's got pure speed. And the only way he's going to be able to make you pay is after you, if you don't get the perfect leverage defensive play against him, yeah, he's going to have to beat you downfield. It's not be the, it's going to be that he's going to break off some great route and get separation against you and be able to move the chains. Um, so if they were to use more uh, motion this year, I would think it would be more for a guy like Quez. And the other thing you think of when you think motion is you put your running back in motion. And the Eagles right now have three guys in their running back depth chart with Miles on top and Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell. And they really didn't use those guys in motion much. Do you think it's because that's the way that this offensive coaching staff 
coaches. You gave us some numbers about what it was like in both Indianapolis and San Diego, some stops that they were at prior to getting here. Um, do you think it was a running back thing that they looked at the guys that they have on the roster and just said, no, it doesn't give us enough of an advantage. Why would we do it if we don't think it actually gives us an advantage? How much of that uh, decision-making process do you think last year was talent on the roster specific at the running back position? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was talent specific at both at receiver and running back. But, you know, wherever I went, I was told, nah, that's not the issue. Um, uh, I I take Nick at his word when he says we're not going to motion just to motion in his mind. He doesn't think it's as valuable as Sean McVay. I use Sean Andy Reed as well, but Andy doesn't talk about it as much. Andy uses a boatload of motion. Um, and they also happen to be obviously two successful uh, offensive coaches to say the least, maybe the two most successful but they do have significant talent and maybe it just comes down to um, the Eagles getting better players and things will look better. I expect them to be bottom five in motion again, because the head coach doesn't believe in it. The offensive coordinator doesn't believe in it. Um, but in, in getting back to Devonte, it's not about, it, 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 it's not about he can't beat press coverage. It's about, all right, you you just watched him in Alabama. Watch how Alabama used him. If, if you can help a, a great player, if you can affect the defense, why not do it? I, what, 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 I mean, you spent a whole draft process evaluating a guy who won the Heisman Trophy at the, the preeminent college program in the country, and they used him in motion constantly. When you say, oh, he does that well, let's put that in. Or he does this well, let's try that. And it, 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 from that standpoint, it doesn't make any sense to me. Now, they didn't have the big X receiver that they could put on the line of scrimmage last year. So you're right, A.J. Brown's going to help because right now he's going to be off the line of scrimmage. So he's, he's not going to need as much help. But it it it. And forget about that word, because that's probably a bad word. It's not even about help. It's about he's going to have room to get off the line of scrimmage more. However, if you can do what the Rams did against the Eagles, what Rodney McLeod was talking about, and everybody knows what's coming, but you're testing the discipline and the communication of the defense, and you get them chasing ghosts, why not give it a try on occasion? You know, they might know what it's going to be, but it's easy to say, all right, I got this rookie corner. I got this second-year corner. This is what they're going to do if they motion Devontae Smith here. Don't worry about it. You're, you're in zone coverage. But they go they they go fishing because in their mind, there's like, oh, there's Devontae Smith, and I'm taking a false step. It might be as simple as that, Jody might be one false step and then somebody on the other side is open. And that's what the Rams do. And that's what Sean calls it. He calls it the illusion of complexity. It looks complex to the outside eye, but to the Rams, it's really, really stinking simple, really simple. 
but all the moving, all the bells and whistles, whistles, all the eyewash, it creates doubt in the defense. That's what I thought. I got to be honest. That's what I thought we were getting when Nick Sirianni and Shane Second got here. That type of young mentality and everybody, for better or for worse, Jody, everybody in this league thinks Sean McVay's the guy. That's what I thought we were getting closer to. It turns out they were backing up from that even further. That was a surprise to me. Not necessarily a good surprise, a bad surprise, but it was a surprise. In other words, the narrative with Doug Peterson, he got stale. He wasn't creative. How many times did you hear that? And 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 he didn't know this. Now, Doug learned under Andy Reid. Doug used a lot more motion. Not as much as Andy, but a lot more than than Nick. That surprised me. That I got to be honest, I wasn't expecting that. Um, now it's all about execution. I I always say, look, the Philly special, right? The most famous play in Eagles history. Not the most important, but probably the most famous. Now that that's looked that's looked upon as very creative. And, and and very, you know, because um, it, it, it was exciting. You don't see it all the time. And they execute it. Now, you and I both know, if, if Trey Burton, who isn't used to handling the football at that time, if he drops the football, if he oops, just a little bit uh, outside with the pass, and he was a former high school quarterback, but, you know, we're talking high school. A um, little bit off, it looks like the dumbest play in the history of mankind. You know, the Patriots did the same thing. Their play worked. Right. But the play was just a little bit off. Brady couldn't come down with it. And then it's it, it, it's forever, you know, you got a million moms of Tom Brady can't catch the football, right? Um, that's the razor thin line of genius and you're the dumbest guy in the history of the the, the planet. But the 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 point of the whole thing is it's always about execution. It's always about, you know, do the players execute what's called? And if the Eagles executed some of those 97 bubble screens we saw in the first seven weeks of the season, we wouldn't be talking about those 97 bubble screens like they were a disaster. They didn't They didn't execute them. Um, so it's all perception. And that's what I kind of wrote about. It's like, if, if you keep going down this route and the players don't execute, the perception is you're not, the perception is going to be you're not very creative offensively. And, and that the, could be dangerous. The so. thing that scares me is, and you did a good job of um, going back and tracking with the history of both the offensive coordinator and the head coach when they were in uh, positions with other organizations, exactly what the percentage was of how much motion they used. I still have a fear that part of it is you have to have confidence in the ability of your quarterback to be able to get the small advantage. Sometimes it's no advantage whatsoever. Sometimes the defense stays disciplined and it ended up, ends up being zero advantage. But if there's an advantage there to be had and it's split second, your quarterback's got to be able to take that advantage. And I 
I'm not sure that the Eagles had that kind of faith in, in Jalen Hurts. But now we're back talking about the quarterback again. Well, real I, quick, Jody, because I, I know we got to get to our first break, but because you bring that up, it, the Eagles have so much respect. And by the I'm I'm talking mainly about Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen. They have so much respect for Phillip Rivers. It's kind of frightening. I always, I mean, they just love the guy. And right, he's another veteran quarterback. They didn't use motion with him. Yeah. So that's where I went down. I went down the same route as you. That was my first thought. They're trying to make things simpler for Jalen Hurts. And everybody I talked to, I, I talked to a Hall of Fame coach, and I talked to a couple different scouts, and they said the same thing. It's not about getting information for the quarterback motion. That, that Those guys, Philip Rivers – being the perfect example, I use Tom and and but for this coaching staff, they had Philip Rivers. They didn't use it, and Philip knows what's going on, you know. So that that kind of hit home with me. It's like well, you could say you're trying because that was my first thought. They're trying to protect Jalen Hurts. Were they trying to protect Philip Rivers? No, they they think Philip knows more than they do. I mean, and he probably does, to be honest, from an NFL quarterback standpoint. Um, they just don't like motion. I, I, yeah. Right. And he is, uh, and I've never talked to Philip Rivers and or Sirianni and or uh, uh, Steichen about it, but I guarantee you there are quarterbacks that prefer not to have motion, that they are going to try and get the pre-snap information that they want, that they're going to use in their judgment with a stagnant defense. That Just let me move up to the line of scrimmage and let me read off that. If we go to motion, perhaps we do move a, a, a defensive player and then I'm not going to be able to get as good a read. So it comes down to comfort level of the quarterback as well that there are some quarterbacks who probably don't want motion. That they want to be able to just stand behind the center, take that split second, look exactly where everybody is, and believe that the play that they're gonna uh, that they've called is going to work because of the positioning of the defense. That there's there might be some to that. I don't know if Philip Rivers is that kind of guy, but that uh, might have been the reason why they didn't use that much motion when they had uh, Philip Rivers as well in both uh, San Diego and in Indianapolis. All right, J Mac, J Mac. John McMullen and Jody McDonnell here with you on Birds 365. I would come back, John. I want to touch on uh, an article I saw over the weekend in Bleacher Report, of all places. And I don't know about you, but I go to Bleacher Report more for my NBA writing than my football writing. But they've got a couple of decent football guys. And a guy made a uh, interesting observation and or a ranking, a list. That's we're still we're just coming to the end of list season. But he had a list of teams that have in a month, two months, four months, six months from now, going to look back and go, yeah, we had a regrettable off season that they just haven't upgraded the roster. And uh, they look to be no better a team than they finished up 2021, if not a worse team, uh, some interesting names on that list. And a couple of interesting, at least from my opinion, uh, names that aren't on that list. I'll, I'll explain when we come back. I need your take on it. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, your Birds 365 guys. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. 
Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Your Mega Mac guys, John McConnell and Joe McConnell, hanging with you here on Verse 365. Uh, coming up next hour, our buddy Bo Wolf. Haven't talked to the Wolfman in uh, a good couple of weeks. Uh, Bo from the Athletic is going to hop aboard and uh, we'll get some eagle insight from Mr. Wolf. That'll be in hour number two. I, uh, I mentioned a report I read over the weekend from Bleacher Report. Not usually my top NFL news or opinion. Uh, website, but uh, they got a couple of guys there can write, and Chris Knox is one of them. And I saw this article and it grabbed my attention. Teams that once the season gets underway, they're going to look back and say, you know, we had a regrettable off season here in 2022 that they just didn't do enough to improve the team for varying reasons. And he put together a list of one, two, three, four, five, six different teams. No, excuse me, five different teams and. I want to see if I can add to that list if you agree with me. Uh, but the teams that he thought had the most forgettable offseason, excuse me, that is six. The Bears, yeah, 
You know how big a Justin Fields fan I am, right? Yeah, I don't have a problem with that mentality. Um, Nikhil Harry this week, their big addition. That's exciting for them. They've stolen away a massively underachieving first-round draft pick from the New England Patriots. For a seventh round. And he might when you be only there, but... have to pay a seventh round pick to get a former first round draft pick, somebody's got to go, what the F, right? Yeah. And he might be, sadly, he might be their best receiver on paper. Now, nah, Mooney's just... pretty good, but uh, yeah, they're excited that somebody with talent has entered the building. Yeah. But I'm with you. They have been underwhelming, to say the least. And I get it. They had a uh, bad season last year and they wanted to make a change. The general manager could have been fired years earlier. The head coach was finally fired, and they went in a new direction with both their front office and their coach. Shouldn't the number one priority have been exactly was like, oh, I don't know, here in Philadelphia, let's see if we can get a big piece or two to upgrade our young quarterback that hasn't been able to blossom yet in the National Football League. The Eagles go out and get A.J. Brown. The Bears go out and get Nikhil Harry. Yeah, there's a little bit of a difference there. So, yes, I have zero issues, and it's going to bum me out because I'm as big a a field fan as I am that I just don't think. Maybe he's available next season, if you know what I mean. I I would look into it. I still love the talent. Um, The team that they acquired, Nikhil Harry, from the Patriots. You know, you think about it, John. They they had that uber-aggressive offseason last year where they spent a whole bunch of money on tight ends, not one, but two, and the like. Uh, they hadn't done that in a long time, been an aggressive player in uh, free agency. They did it. They made the playoffs. They did get in after a season out, the first non-Brady season in New England, uh, but then they got uh, bounced in the first round. Uh, I don't know that the Patriots did have a great offseason. Would you call the Patriots offseason regrettable? Um, yes, I would on paper. I tend to give the, the Patriots the benefit of the doubt. I think for obvious reasons, I think they deserve it. I think part of the, the narrative with the Patriots is Cole Strange in the first round because nobody thought he would be a first round pick. Um, so that's used people, you know, but if he turns out to be a good player, um, who cares? And then it goes back. I think it's about, you know, I I, I was pleasantly surprised um, how well Mac Jones played as a rookie. You know, does he turn into a legitimate top half starting quarterback in this league? I think if that's the case, I think all of a sudden New England looks better um, really quickly and that will dissipate. But on paper, it doesn't look great. Uh, I, I I do tend to give the Patriots more rope than everybody else, which I freely admit, but I think they deserve it. Uh, so I always put that, just put that little caveat in. Right, because Belichick's Belichick. He's achieved that benefit of the doubt. Uh, if you don't give it to him, uh, you're uh, not giving him uh, the credit that he is so richly deserved over his entire coaching career. All right, so we, neither one doesn't have a problem with the Patriots. Maybe the easiest one of them all, the Seahawks. You move away from Russell Wilson, that's one thing. And he wanted out, and it was time to go in another direction. And I completely uh, understood it. 
I thought the Eagles had a legit chance to get him. He didn't want to come east. All right, fine. Uh, all those things add up. But their staunch stance of, yes, Drew Locke is the answer, is the one that just has me shaking my head. Has all offseason, continue to do so as we get here to camp. Thought they'd jump in and maybe be the team that landed Baker Mayfield. I don't think they're getting Jimmy Garoppolo, and people still seem to think Garoppolo is going to get traded. Oh, we'll get to him and his team next. Um, they're going to war with Geno Smith <laughs> and uh, Drew Locke. Man, that's the only team that isn't on the Eagles' schedule and go, yeah, Eagles have a nice, easy schedule. Unfortunately, they don't have Seattle. Uh, that would have been a team that I would love to face anywhere. Their house, 12th man, whatever else. I think they're going to be terrible this year, and they had a really bad offseason. So I agree with them on this list. How about you? Yeah, I mean, look, I, nobody wants to admit the T word in the NFL. And I, I don't think there's overt sixer level tanking in the NFL. But, you know, when you go into a year with Drew Locke as the starter, it at least somewhat indicates that, you know, you're not trying your best to win games. Um, you're going into a season where I think you've acknowledged this is a rebuild. And, you know, maybe winning football games is not the paramount uh, uh, goal of the organization, which you never want to admit in public. But don't watch don't listen to what teams say. Watch what they do. And you don't go into a season with Drew Locke if you think, hey, we got a chance to be a contender. It's not the way you do it. Um, it, it tells you all you need to know. I mean, that, that, that now, see, the bigger question to me with teams like Seattle, Jody, is where do you go get a May, Mayfield? Can't do it now. But before, can you go get a Garoppolo and you're a little bit better, but you probably still stink because you're not ready in other aspects as well. So this is the debate people have with tanking all the time. What's better, try to win games or don't care and try to get that top five pick? I'm sorry. Any season in the National Football League, did you come in with Drew Locke as your quarterback? It's a bad decision. Um, if, if you got a bad team, then yes, make Baker Mayfield is not going to move the needle and if you're trying to figure out, well, we could actually win four games. We need to only win three games. Shame on you. If you're really splitting those hairs, that we need to lose that one extra game to make sure we're drafting in the top three rather than the top six, that gets general managers fired. That gets coaches fired. And it should on both fronts. If that's the way Seattle looked at it this offseason, shame on them. They did have a very forgettable offseason, regrettable offseason. And they put the Seahawks, uh, Chris Knox put the Seahawks on this list as well. Uh, excuse me, uh, the, the 49ers on this list as well. And they're not going to get Jimmy Garoppolo. I just don't see Garoppolo being traded to a divisional opponent. What happens if you're the 49ers you had a lead in the fourth quarter of potentially going to the Super Bowl last year, and you get beat this year by Jimmy Garoppolo in a division game against <laughs> a bad team like the Seahawks. That is not going to play well, John Lynch. So I don't think there's any chance that they trade uh, Garoppolo to the Seahawks. 
they list the 49ers as a regrettable offseason. You buy that? Well, they didn't do much, as far as I recall. Um, they didn't have a pick until by late in the second round uh, in the draft. Um, I can't even think of a free agent they got. Um, so they didn't do much, but it's a really talented team to begin with. They didn't lose um, much either. Is that Jaquiski Well, they lost to Kwiski Tart. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that that's going to tear the 49er yeah. defense apart? No, I, I, it's a really talented team. They're starting at a good position. So I think, you know, I think their hope is Trey Lance is a starting quarterback and they're better at quarterback. And if they're better at quarterback, they're going to be really good because they're already really good with an average quarterback. And that's being kind, if you want to call them average in my mind, at least. Um, but so did they have a great off season? No, because they didn't do much. Great off seasons are Philadelphia off seasons where you, you add players and draft picks. And you now that's, that's a good off season. They've been kind of stagnant because they had to be from a draft perspective. They didn't have anything. I think Drake Jackson was their first pick. Um, they got a corner. I can't remember the corner they got, but that's about it. Um, they didn't do much. So, I mean, yeah, you can't say it's a great offseason. So I have no problem. But they're a really good team. They didn't have to do much. Right. They I, just gotta they just gotta fix the quarterback position. I have trouble uh fixing the word regrettable. Maybe <laughs> not awe-inspiring, but I don't think it was regrettable. And oh, by the way, I continue to say this, and if I'm proven wrong before the first of the year, please remind me, Johnny Mack, and I'll uh, eat some crow. Jimmy Garoppolo is still gonna be there when the season starts. Uh, they've had all these conversations all off season. Even your favorite coach, uh, Mr. Shanahan, kind of threw Garoppolo under the bus and said, "Yeah, I would have expected Jimmy to be traded by yeah. now, while he's still on your team." Not the smartest move, coach. I I think when the season starts, he's still going to be there. Now, yeah. I'm not ready to say he's going to be their starting quarterback because if Trey Lance comes into camp and he wows, they're going to say, "Jimmy, here's a clipboard for you," and he's going to be their backup quarterback. But I think both of those two guys are going to be there when their season starts. I would not call their offseason regrettable. Uh, the two others that they listed include the Steelers, who made their move at quarterback. Nothing they could do about it. Ben Roethlisberger decided to retire, needed to retire. Um, they weren't going to get a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson either. So uh, they were the lone team that decided we'll take the first round draft pick choice and go with Kenny Pickett, keeping the homeboy home. Um, they didn't do anything else. And with Ben Roethlisberger coming off their cap, making a big chunk of change this past year, they should add more cap flexibility. We talk all the time about when you when you're going with a young quarterback, an inexpensive quarterback like the Philadelphia Eagles in 2022, um, you can do some other things to upgrade your rosters in other positions, like bring in an A.J. Brown. We keep comparing it back here to Philadelphia because we know Philadelphia inside out. Pittsburgh didn't really do that. They, they decreased the amount they're paying their quarterback. They brought in Mitch Trubisky on an inexpensive deal to be the veteran battling for the job guy against their first-round quarterback pick. 
yeah, I kind of agree with this one. That that it's certainly a forgettable, if not regrettable, offseason for the Steelers. How would you describe it to this point? Well, the Steelers are another one. I wouldn't say um, to New England's level, but I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt as well because they've made so many smart decisions over the years. Um, they're not a team that's going to spend a lot of money in free agency, even you know, even with uh, a, a change in the quarterback uh, uh, part of it. But, you know, I think it's well known what I think about Mitchell Trubisky. I think anybody trying to buy into that stock is insane. Um, so it's yeah, about – You got to give him this one. Mitch Trubisky better than Drew Locke. You're not even ready to go there? Yeah. I mean, what, it's like, do I have to pick? Yes, yeah. you must pick. You got to pick one over the other. Well, if I got to pick one over the over the other, I'm going to pick Kenny Pickett. You better get Kenny Pickett a bit, a quickly ready to, to be as good as you can be as quickly as possible. Boy, Drew Lock versus if you're going to force me to pick one, I'm going to go Drew Lock. Oh, that's how. That's you how really much. Really do hate Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I I Damn. I don't see anything of value there. Anything. I'm not in a this, big Mitch Trubisky fan, but I'm going to take him over Drew Locke. And this, it's, Sorry I, about I, that. I think he's so limited as far as uh, reading the field. I just saw so much of him in Chicago where they would try to cut off the field. And I know from watch, watch from uh, watching Brad Childress over the years with Tavares Jackson. Remember Tavares Jackson? Sure. Um, he would he would be in he, by by his third or fourth year. They were still rolling them out to cut the field in half uh, to do the simple high low reads, and I said, "Man, all right, if you're still doing that, this is a disaster." And the same thing I saw with Mitchell Trubisky. Um, so I have no, I I don't I don't understand anybody buying into Mitchell Trubisky. So I I do rip the Steelers for that. They signed a couple offense. Their offensive line was really bad last year, and they signed a couple underrated offensive linemen. So they do tend to sm make smart moves, um, but they're never going to spend a ton of money. They're going to spend their money on their, you know, TJ Watts and Ben Roethlisberger's and their homegrown guys um, more than go out and they, they they have more of a green bay mentality when it comes to free agency a ted thompson green bay mentality yeah but i i didn't necessarily love the signings that they did have even if, if they weren't big buck signings and the last one on the regrettable offseason list uh from chris knox of bleacher report is the commanders and that can be taken a bunch of different ways. I'm surprised the Cowboys weren't on there, too, by the way. That's what I was going to get to. The last of the six is the Commanders. Yeah. Uh, maybe Carson Wentz is an upgrade from what they had at quarterback last year. But I don't know that for a fact. I'd say it's a good possibility, but it's not a given that, oh, my God, they put Carson Wentz in. They're going to be that much better at quarterback. I kind of like, I've always liked Taylor Heineke. I know what his limitations are. He's never going to be a guy who's going to throw for 4,000 yards, 4,000 plus, if he had stayed there starting quarterback. But he also doesn't screw a game up for you, and he's got some nerve, and he'll pull it down, make a play with his legs every does once have, in a while. have some nerve. I like his moxie. Yes, that's a, you that's and I a both. Word. 
Yeah, I like his moxie, Taylor and Heineke. So I, I don't know how much of an upgrade it is at cornerback. And, oh, there's everything else about the organization, <laughs> starting from the top down with Daniel Snyder and everything. So they, they deemed that a, uh, uh, a regrettable offseason. Some people don't believe that. Uh, there are people that say that the commanders can actually be competitive with the Eagles and the Cowboys. I don't see it. I think there is a strict line in the middle of this division. There's the Cowboys and Eagles above it and the Giants and the commanders below it. And I don't think there's uh, much of a chance of someone jumping from the bottom up to the top or someone from the top dropping down to the bottom. I just don't see it. I do believe there is a really strong line between this, this division. It's two teams up top and two teams on the bottom which is going to get me to my next point. You kind of went there. Uh, I want to follow up on it when we uh, come back here. There's two teams missing from this list. I, I don't necessarily buy the 49ers. I'm not as strong on the Steelers. Bears, yes. Patriots, yes. Seahawks, yes. And Commanders, yes. There's two teams that I would put on this list ahead of the Steelers and certainly ahead of the 49ers. We'll come back and uh, carry that conversation on. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com action news at 11 with rick williams it's the team you trust to bring it all together the stories that impact your community a sports roundup for the locals and the accuweather forecast you depend on action news at 11 with rick williams Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles 
and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Get your Mac and Mac guys, John McClellan and Jody McClellan here on Thirds 365. Bo Wolf from The Athletic scheduled to join us coming up about uh, 20 minutes from now. Uh, John, before we went to break, I was uh, recapping this article I saw on Bleacher Report. Chris Knox wrote about the teams with the most regrettable 2022 offseasons included the Bears, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Commanders, the Steelers and the 49ers, which I have uh, some trouble with both of those two teams because they didn't necessarily progress, but I don't think they backed up. And therefore, I don't know that I would call them regrettable. And two teams jumped out at me that I thought were significantly more regrettable than those two. Oh, and it's really good news for the Eagle fans. Because the Commanders are already one of the six teams. And I did double check on Twitter. Have you seen this on Twitter over the weekend? The newest Twitter account created to find Dan Snyder's yacht. Dan Snyder's yacht tracker on Twitter. That you can get update movement of Dan Snyder's uh, yacht somewhere in the uh, south of France or in outside of Italy or wherever he's got it somewhere there over in Europe as he tries to run out the clock on an appearance in front of Congress. Um, don't know if he has reacted to the commanders being on this list. He should. Uh, but uh, the Washington commander's already on the list. Why aren't the Dallas Cowboys on the list? I think the Cowboys have... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Had a regrettable off-season. I think they got hurt by being in a cap position where they did give up uh, Mari Cooper and for my money, didn't come close to replacing him. You want to say, oh, well, C.D. Lamb just steps up at number one. Oh, okay. So who's replacing C.D. Lamb? Uh, There was just a domino effect that the wide receivers, and they went backwards at that position. Yeah, Um, they also lost Cedric Wilson. So they lost depth as well at the receiver position. Um, yeah, I, I thought I was trying to think of teams you, you may have thought Dallas is the first one I came up with because, you know, the Randy Gregory situation, you know, Randy Gregory, because for years we all know what he's been and, and the issues he's had in his personal life and suspended more often than not. But, man, he was turning into one hell of a player, and he was out on the field a lot last year. Um, and they lost him as well on, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the kid they drafted in the first round, um, Tyler Smith, uh, the offensive tackle, 
Look, for years, they've had this great offensive line. They're starting to lose it. They lost Lyle Collins. They lost one of their guards to the Dolphins. Uh, forget his name. Connor, Connor Williams, I think. Um, they're trying to rebuild it, which I get, but he seems like a project and and to me. So it's going to take a little bit of a while. So, yeah, the Cowboys are one of those teams that um, – they still have a lot of good players in that big strength. They they have a lot of good players at the top of their roster, but they don't have much depth. And um, I definitely think they've come back to the pack a little bit uh, from a talent perspective. And then the two other teams I thought of were Arizona for a lot of reasons. Uh, Kyler Murray issues, but also, you know, Hopkins is suspended. I don't think they've done much. And then Tennessee, which is partially Eagles-related as well, because they lost A.J. Brown. They're trying to replace him with Traylon Burks. Good luck with that. Maybe that'll work three, four years from now. Uh, it's not going to work this year. Um, and they were the number one seed in the AFC last year, and now they're an afterthought. Nobody even talks about Tennessee. Now, it's a deep conference, but man, nobody talks about him, Jody. So they've yeah, t- they've certainly taken a step back. Here's here's what Tennessee's got going for them: they get to play Jacksonville twice again this year, and they get to play Houston twice again this year. They're still in a bottom feeding division. Uh, so although I have never been a fan of the quarterback, um, I, they they're still in a pretty strong position because that's just a very weak division. No, I'll give you the other team. You and I have talked about it plenty. How much effort are the New York Giants putting into winning this year, yeah. John McMullen? Well, yeah. They're in that Seattle mode. They're in this yeah. to me. Well, anytime you go into tank mode, I'm sorry for yours truly, that makes it a regrettable offseason. Well, if I'm uh, a fan of that team and they're telling me ahead of time, try and win, oh, no, no, no. That's not us this year. That's a regrettable offseason. Well, I can't put them in the – I can have criticism of their offseason, but I can't put them into the bottom grouping that we're talking about for the simple reason that they had two top 10 picks and they got two re- really talented players. So, no, I no, mean, uh, no growing pains for those. No, they're going to have growing pains, but okay. they're, they're startup uh, costs. There's not going to be startup costs. No, for there those are. But, but to me, when we're talking about offseasons, like, you didn't add anything in certain places. We just talked about some of those places. They got two, it might not be for two or three years because there are going to be startup costs, but you got two really, really, really talented players. And if you don't screw it up or they don't screw it up, um, they got a chance to be haunting Eagles fans for years. Um, And that's why just because of the pure talent, they were able to add because they've been so bad over the years. You know, if you keep picking the top five or top 10 year after year after year after year, you're going to wake up one day and say, wow, we got some really good players. I think the Giants added some talent, so I can't put them in the category of some of those teams we talked about, like San Francisco who didn't do anything or Seattle or, you know, Guys, San Francisco, Prince, Jake Drake Jackson, I think 61st pick. All right, they got Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, and 
a lot of people will tell you those were the two most talented players in this draft, uh, just from a pure trait standpoint. So that's why I don't include the Giants. But, yeah, they stink. I mean, they stink in the short term. And, see, that's how I start my thought process when I'm evaluating an individual offseason. You, you, you certainly have to look at the big picture. How uh, big an effect is this going to have on the team over the next? I think the furthest you can go out is, is five years. But then it comes back to four years and three years and two years and this next upcoming year. The further away from present day you move, the less emphasis I put on uh, what you did for the team. That if you're talking about, hey, the moves we made this year, five years down the road, man, we're going to reap the benefits from that. That doesn't count as much as four years down the road. And that doesn't count as much as three years down the road, which doesn't count as much as two years down the road. And sure as hell doesn't count as much as what's coming up this next season. So if that's the Giants' claim to fame this offseason, hey, we took two kids high in the first round that when they get uh, up to speed, when they get those startup costs paid, man, are we going to be good. That doesn't help me this year. That doesn't help me in uh, 2022. The Giants were bad last year, and I expect the Giants to be as bad, if not worse, this season. Well, I think the best way to build a team, and remember, this is a new regime, and you can't, I'm going to count, you can't give the New York Giants enough grief since they moved on from Tom Coughlin and Jerry Reese. Whatever you say, I'll, I'll times it by 10. They've been a disaster of an organization. So they've rebooted again. I don't know if Joe Shane and Brian Dayball are going to be any good. I don't know. But I do know the way to build teams in this league is through the draft, not not free agency. Free agency is about supplementing when you get a team. If they were to go out and spend flashy and do flashy things on free agency, I would say, what the hell are the Giants doing? They, they're not ready to win. That The fact that they got Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal – Man, if those two players were in Philadelphia, Jody, you would be so excited, um, um, and so would all the Eagles fans. I mean, those are high freaking level talents. I can't, I can't look at adding people like that and just dismiss it. Yeah, they're at the start. They've been a disaster for years, and and maybe it turns out to be nothing because maybe. Joe Shane and Brian Dayball are just the next version of Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer or, or Ben McAdoo or uh, every other Joe judge, every other disaster of a coach they brought in there and they screw it up again. But I mean, I don't, I don't know those two. If, if you were to ask me who were the most talented players were in this draft, they would have been high on the list. Both of them. And here's the reason why I apparently am more down on the Giants than you are. Um, we talk about it plenty here on Birds 365. Tune into WIP. Check out all you guys' uh, articles during the offseason for the upcoming 2022 season. There are questions about Jalen Hurts. It's not a given about Jalen Hurts. Some people a little more of an optimistic spin. Some a little bit more pessimistic. But, oh, there are questions about Jalen Hurts. But there are people who point to the things that make you believe this could be a good season for the Eagles because their quarterback play is going to be improved with it from what it was last year. Giants quarterback play going to be improved? 
No, and you I know Daniel Jones is on the precipice of stake taking a significant step forward. No, I don't think he's going to be their quarterback next year, and that's why they're at the start of a rebuilding process. I know you believe me. I'm your partner on this show every day. I know what you think of Daniel Jones. I'm not necessarily all against him, but man, again, I think your 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 dismissal of Daniel Jones, which is not wrong. Okay, you can't get better at quarterback right now because the the quarterback draft was what it was, right? Kenny Pickett, that's it. That was the one first-round pick. And then there wasn't another quarterback to what, the third round? Did Willis go in the third round? Um, it was a bad quarterback draft. So they couldn't upgrade a quarterback. So they upgraded where they could. They've had a bad offensive line for years. Uh they potentially got the answer at left tackle. They potentially got a 15-sack guy. Uh, I, I I mean, how, how could you look at those two specific talents and say, all right, it's at the start of this rebuilding process, but I don't think they got it right with those two guys. Now, maybe people had issues with Thibodeau because of his personality, whatever. But he's got talent. I don't know if he lives up to it. But he's got more talent than Trayvon Walker as a pass rusher, uh, who was the number one overall pick. And Evan Neal, a lot of people thought he might be the number one overall pick and, and slipped a little bit. I don't know. I can't downgrade. When you add two pieces like that, I can't I can't say it's a disaster of an offseason. I can say the Giants have been a that those two things aren't mutually exclusive, Jody. I can say the Giants have been a disaster of an organization since the end of Tom Coughlin and Jerry Reese, which is true. But they got two really good prospects. Two. I'm excited about Jordan Davis. I'm excited about Jordan Davis. If 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 Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal were here, both of them, oh, we'd be jacked up in Philadelphia. Und- understood. But again, uh, I, I'll quote. My partner, there are startup costs with. Oh, players, it's not going to. And I think you're going to pay those startup costs this year. I love both players too. I talk both players up uh, leading up to the draft in a big way. And the Giants happen to get both of them. Uh, so, yes, for the future, the Giants have dividends to uh, collect on. It's not going to be this year. And that's the most important thing for me determining what kind of an offseason a team well, has. And I don't even How much did you improve for this year? year? And then factor in the year after, but to a lesser degree. And then factor in year after, but to a lesser degree. And the further away you get from day one, then it just doesn't have as big an impact on how important your offseason was. And, oh, by the way, are you a fan of Wondell Robinson, their second-round draft pick? No, Why I wasn't. Even- I wasn't. Oh, okay. I, I didn't think that was a good pick. How no. about Joshua Ezuda? The uh, offensive lineman. Yeah, but I don't care. If those two players turn into what they're supposed to do, that draft will always be regarded as a good draft, um, no matter what Wandell Robinson does. And maybe turn – I don't I, I don't have much hope for Wandell Robinson. But here's my – my only point is this, Jody. All right, you need a quarterback. This The Eagles need a quarterback. This was not – the year to go get a quarterback. So you can either pound the square peg of the round hole and pick uh, Malik Willis in the top 10, or you could pick 
Top uh, 10, you didn't have to pick him in the top 10. You could pick them in the third round. Well, it, it, the, the, the point is he's not the answer. Whether you pick him in the top 10, the third round, the fourth round, the seventh round, undrafted, you can pick Carson Strong. I don't care. None of them are the answer. You can't get a quarterback this year. So if you're if you're if you're pounding that square peg in the round hole and you're missing on players like Thibodeau and and Evan Evan Neal because you're trying to pick Kenny Pickett, which would be the better example because he was the actual first round pick, um, you're making a mistake. So they couldn't get the quarterback. They know they need the quarterback. They're going to get the quarterback at some point. And by the way, it's probably good for them get the startup costs out of the way. Just throw them out there, throw them in the deep end of the pool, let them learn, get a top five pick again, get C.J. Stroud, get Bryce Young. All of a sudden, you're cooking with gas. You got a quarterback, and you got Kayvon Thibodeau. Then you got Evan Neal, and then you're saying, oh, crap, oh, gulp, here come the New York Giants. Yeah, and Eagle I, fans hate me. I would have played the offseason differently. I would have used a third-round pick to take a Malik Willis and or a Matt Corral and uh, give them the year, get those startup costs out of the way. Now, if the guy goes in and just flat-out stinks and you can see that he's overmatched, guess what? You're jumping back into that first round. You could achieve the same thing uh, and get your 4-13 uh, and 13 record on the record and see where the uh, draft pick falls. And maybe you go back and you do take a higher ranked, higher rated offseason draft quarterback. But in the meantime, take a puncher's chance at someone else, not Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is a guaranteed, at least in my eyes, not to get the job done this year. And if you took a shot at a quarterback, there's a chance that one of these guys turn out to be a steal because they end up going in the fourth, third round and or later. Maybe Malik Willis is that. Maybe Matt Corral is that. The Giants are a team. Like Tennessee ends up with uh, Malik Willis. They got an actual starting quarterback. And they still said, yeah, maybe we should take a quarterback here in the third round. The Giants have Daniel Jones. And they said, no, let's take an offensive line with our third round pick. Uh, no, I I think well, they the need plenty of offensive line. Bad well. offseason. They need they, off they need they need multiple offensive linemen, and they, you know, they drafted one in the top ten. They drafted one in the third round. I mean, you know, their offensive line has been a disaster for years. Um, at least when you're in a position to get a quarterback, to get a, a more high-valued prospect, maybe you have a better offensive line. <laughs> maybe maybe re- instead of him getting destroyed from minute one, I don't know. I I, I can't put – look, Eagle fans are going to give it. Dallas, yeah, I don't think they had a great offseason. Washington, yeah, I don't think they had a great offseason. The Giants, I think it's a positive from where they have been. I mean, they have been a freaking disaster. I think it's a clear, at least positive signs with Joe Shane and and Brian Dable. Here's, again, uh, we'll hit this one more time, then we'll punch up our buddy uh, uh, Bo Wolf from The Athletic. Uh, Joshua Ezua, he's a tackle. They spent their first uh, round draft pick on a tackle two years ago. They spent their first-round draft pick on a tackle this year, and in the third round this year, they took another tackle. 
How many nah, tackles can you play, Johnny Mac? No, nah, he's gonna he's gonna play guard. You're talking about is is Zua do? Yes. He's gonna play guard. They're gonna play him at guard. Uh he's got um that's their plan. Now we'll see. If, you know, so right now you have Evan Neal's going to put start at right tackle, Andrew Thomas at left tackle. I imagine they're going to try to start him because they're still the interior of their line is still a disaster, but we'll see. I think they took another kid too in the fifth round or sixth round who's a guard. They're going to, they, they carpet bombed the offensive line and they should have because it's been a disaster for years and years and years. Yeah, I think the disaster was the Giants offseason, as a matter of fact. Uh, we get Bo Wolf's take on how disastrous the other teams in the NFC East this year offseasons were and how they look in comparison to the Philadelphia Eagles. We are one week away from the start of camp. Looking forward to having Bo Wolf talking Eagles football with us next here on Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
got John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with Young Verse 365, and we have a key edition for the final half hour, 35 minutes here of the show. Our buddy Bo Wolf from the Athletic, good enough to hop aboard. You look like you're out. You're ready to go out and have a catch. Uh, would would <laughs> always that be accurate, bud? You always got to be ready. Where's the glove? Bo? You never know Where's when you're going to get called on. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I go to practice. John knows this. I go to practice ready to step in as the number three That's quarterback. Right. You never know, do. man. We should we we should all be getting ready to to be the punter. Uh, that that one's still a bit questionable to me, Bo. Why there's no competition? But we'll I think Jimmy uh, Jimmy Kemsky would be yeah uh, would oh, be most yeah, interested if, if one of us could step into the competition, then he can track it. <laughs> uh, the, the training camp obviously a week away. Um, I I want to get your thoughts because I go through these sort of uh, little hiccups during the offseason i start to say to myself well you know how we's had a really good offseason and you know this is a pretty pretty talented roster and then you know fans start to get a little bit nuts and you know all of a sudden this is the greatest team that ever ever uh set foot and i start saying whoa 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 start slowing down on these expectations do you have these sort of hiccups in the offseason where you go through these these periods where you say this team's better than people think. And now I think people are just over the top with the expectation. That's exactly right. I'm, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of like a, like a contrarian by nature, I'm sure. And so, yeah, yeah early on in the offseason, I'm thinking like, I don't know, this team could be pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, they could win 10, 11 games. And now it's like, everybody's getting excited. I'm like, okay, let's slow down <laughs> a little bit. It makes, it sort of just like sets my radar off. It sort of reminds me of uh, the 2018 offseason coming off the Super Bowl. When it was like, wow, you know what? This on paper, this roster looks better yeah. than the Super Bowl roster. Yeah. And we're all thinking, like, oh, they add Michael Bennett to this group. Uh, like, you know, Carson's going to be back, all this stuff. And obviously, like, it never goes according to plan. Um, you know, this is football, there are going to be uh, injuries and other complications. And so I think that Howie Roseman did have a great offseason. Everything he did uh, made a lot of sense. He improved the team in the short term without. Uh, borrowing too much from the long term he maintained flexibility they're like deep everywhere but that doesn't mean that it's going to go according to plan and obviously you know we expect that like Jalen Hurts is going to continue improving but you know what if he doesn't uh yeah. you know what what, what up other things happen so uh yes I am I am very much like on alert that things are not going to go as well as maybe we expect them to right now I well I want you to hop into the mindset of an individual legal player and I'm not asking this question because I don't have faith that it's going to work out, but it's something that's never been dealt with before. And that's Dallas Goddard. He comes in as the, for the first time, the number one tight end last year. You can make the argument. He used Zach Ertz. Ertz certainly had the seniority and, and we speculated that he could be dealt. And that's exactly what did happen. But it, it co-tight, even if you want to say co-number one tight ends last year, it was an unquestioned number one status for Goddard. That's the case this year. And not only is he number one, is number one and a massive drop off to number two. So he's coming in with expectations, with the uh, number one slot, and with a little uh, niggling at the back of his brain that, yeah, I can't get afford to get hurt here. Because if I do, we, we could be in a spot of trouble because my backup is not ready to step in and do uh, Dallas Goddard-like things. Where do you think Dallas's Gattard's head is at right now? I think he's probably like figuring out what he's going to do with all his money. 
mean, <laughs> he's got his he got this new contract. He's moving out of the uh, shared house with Avante Maddox. He gets to live by himself. He's probably figuring out what it's like to be an adult. I mean, that's what he's that's what he's doing. Um, I don't know. I think I think uh, I mean I think he should have a big season, but they've also got a lot of other weapons. I don't think that. I mean, Dallas Goddard, you're right. There's a huge drop-off to a number two tight end. But, like, if Dallas Goddard got hurt for an extended period of time, I, I would imagine they just wouldn't feature the tight end. They'd go more, you know, three or four wide, and you've still got, you know, A.J. Brown, uh, Quez Watkins, and Devontae Smith, and maybe Zach Pascal gets on the field more instead of, you know, going to going to Jack Stoll all of a sudden. So, um, I mean, obviously he's, he's a, a very important player, but I don't think that – I think the offense, they have enough weapons. If you're just thinking of weapons as opposed to, like, position specific tight ends i think i think they're pretty deep who's going to be this year's Care darling uh bo wolf every you know femi moma back oh, in the i think day. this is an you easy got, answer yeah paul turner you got uh henry josie who was that kid from rutgers i couldn't think of his name he was a six six receiver everybody uh, ooh, you remember who i'm talking about i can't think of his name it's driving me crazy um, but there's always, and it's usually a receiver. So I, I, I do think it's pretty obvious, especially what went on in the, in. Oregon. I do think it's easy. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, think about, as you said, receive, everybody loves receivers. Yeah. You know, training camp is set up for guys to uh, be effective in space. Yeah. Uh, guys who are quick and like, you know, can, can make a little juke. And I mean, let's be fair. A uh, short white guy, people are gonna like that. <laughs> so, Britton Kobe, the undrafted Britain, guy yeah. from from Utah, I think is the overwhelming favorite to be the the training camp darling here as yeah. we, as winter camp. And I, I think he does have a real chance to make the team as the return specialist. You watch his; they uh, need his, a punt returner. They do, yeah. and yeah. you know Jalen Rager is not super reliable back there. You know he's made a few plays as a, as a punt returner in his career, but he's not super dependable. Uh, Kobe could potentially be that. He was a very productive returner in college you know i'm always wary of of guys who are much older than their college competition but for a return specialist i would i would imagine that doesn't make quite as much of a difference so i think i think he is definitely a, a player to watch now he's got some competition though bo because Devin allen the minute he runs mm, by somebody if that's he catches true. the football uh it's gonna be it's gonna be quite the battle a lot people were very upset about that disqualification oh yeah yeah i i find it ironic i said you, you, he's going from a sport where you're getting penalized for a false start for technology and the naked eye. He's going to a $13 billion industry where they use index cards to, to, to tell us first down. So it's a, it should be easier for him. That's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> Do you think that uh, it comes down to Kobe or Rager? That one's going to be on the team and the other one isn't? Or, I mean, I think it's possible that neither is on the team, uh, for sure. I mean, I, I think I think Rager, like if, if anybody around the league offers anything for Jalen Rager, I think the Eagles would take it. I think I think it's unlikely they're going to straight cut him uh, just because of the cap hit, and they might as well keep him around. And, and Howie Roseman has been slow to sort of admit defeat on, on, you know, bust picks in the past. But I think if anybody was willing to trade, you know, their own – disappointing early round pick for Rager. I think the Eagles would jump all over that. I mean, just think about like, he's not going to, is he going to play over Zach Pascal as a number four receiver or, or Quest Watkins? No, um, he hasn't earned that. And he hasn't, you know, even if he's had like flashes in camp in the past, it's never translated to, to the field. I don't really trust him as a return, man. I just, 
Um, like I, I don't see a path to, to relevance really for, for Rager with the Eagles anymore. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of counterintuitive and I think our, our buddy Chris Franklin was the first to bring it up. So I'll give Chris the, the tip of the Bo Wolf's cap. But, uh, I think for an Eagles fan, it, 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 it might be better if Zach Pascal's playing more than Quez Watkins for the reason that probably indicates they're winning games in the fourth quarter rather than losing games. What's, what's your thought? Cause if they're in the four minute offense, they're going to try to run the football. They're going to want Zach Pascal on the field. So even though it's counterintuitive to me, more Zach Pascal might mean more success than if Quez Watkins is out there. Thoughts on that. My initial thought is that, um, I never want a receiver on the field just to block. Like I'm not. <laughs> I agree. Like but... I'm not. Uh, that doesn't excite me. I'd rather spread the field and run the ball than you know have Zach Pascal on the field instead of Quez Watkins. But I think what what Zach Pascal gives them is like the ability to keep everybody fresh, right? Like you can have yeah. you can be three three you know uh, lineup in eleven personnel, but by rotating those four guys, everybody stays a little bit fresh. You know. Devontae Smith doesn't have to play 100% of the snaps. A.J. Brown doesn't have to play 100% of the snaps. And A.J. Brown has had, you know, a history of nagging injuries. Yeah. So I think that I think that is a real uh, concern for them moving forward to try to keep him healthy. Maybe, you know, Pascal plays and, and Quez Watkins plays. I think like what uh, – I think Quez Watkins could have a big year be just because really? – think about like what he brings as a home run hitter and considering that opposing defenses are going to be so focused on A.J. Brown – and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Like, what what resources can you really devote to the number four option on the opposing offense? And if if Quez Watkins gets past you, I mean, he, he will get past you. He's 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 very uh, explosive. I think people underrate what he did last year. I mean, he had like you know six hundred plus yards receiving. Uh, I think nobody would expect that. And uh, I don't know. I, I I like Quez Watkins. I like him much more than Zach Pascal. I get the point that that Chris is making. You're right. Like. It would be better if they're in a four-minute offense than playing from behind. But, um, like, give me no, it's give not me exciting. Give me, it's give me Quez Watkins on the field over Zach Pascal. Yeah, it's definitely not exciting. But I, but I would say from the Eagles' perspective, and let's you know this season, a lot of ways, is going to be about the quarterback. So we got to talk about the quarterback. You're mentioning, you know, in on paper, I agree with you. You have AJ Brown, you have Devontae Smith, you have Dallas Goddard. You, Gotta obviously stop them first and foremost if you're an opposing defense. The Eagles have a quarterback that's capable of going to their fourth option. I mean, to me, it's all right, you're gonna game plan for as Nick would say, now it's gonna be eleven. Last year it was six and eighty-eight. Now it's gonna be eleven, six, eighty-eight. How much is gonna be there for Quez Watkins? Well, just because you know, he's the number four option in like hierarchy doesn't mean he's the number four option in, in a specific play. Like I'm, I, I would give Sirianni enough credit to think that he'll be able to dial some stuff up for, for Quez Watkins, but, but you're right. I mean, he is not going to be the, the focus of the game plan. Uh, that's definitely true. But I, I think there, I think there will be some opportunities for him to have some big plays. All right, Bo, uh, we know that the Eagles made their big offseason move in acquiring A.J. Brown. You go out, you give up what you give up to get a player like that, and then, oh, by the way, extend him at $25 million per. Oh, yeah, he's going to get the football. Uh, we're debating on how much Quez is going to get it. We start with A.J. Brown's going to get it thrown his way plenty, and they should. 
so he's replacing Jalen Rager. Uh, Quinn's going to get what he's going to get. Uh, Devontae's going to get what he's going to get. Goddard's going to get plenty at tight end. But the, the swap out is A.J. Brown for Jalen Rager. That equates to that many more passes being thrown this year. And if they're throwing that many more passes, that means that less runs by Jalen Rager. And last year, his runs were pretty darn productive. A lot of first downs, 20-yard gains, moving the ball down the field. Is there a chance that the Eagles offense this year, even being more productive in the pass game, will miss the runs that Jalen Hurts contributed to this year's team that we might not be putting enough of an emphasis on? Yeah, but we're not going to have Jalen running it as effectively as he did last year. Does that bother you at all? I think the benefit of of having Jalen Hurts being a, a, like a, a credible running threat um, doesn't even necessarily need, need to mean that he's running the ball a lot. I think a lot of what he does, like his his presence on the field, is opening things up for you know the running back um, because defenses have to account for the possibility that Jalen Hurts is going to run the ball. I don't I don't expect that they're going to like you know lock him up and say don't run. It's it's part of what makes him. Uh, an effective quarterback. It's like a huge part of, of what makes him good. And I think it's possible we may see them dial back the, you know, the, the called runs a little bit, but what Jalen hurts is, is good at um, beyond just running the ball is, is he's very good at like protecting himself as a runner. Um, and he, you know, he, he knocked those fumbles way down last year after fumbling a lot as a rookie. Um, I think he does a pretty good job usually of feeling out when it is that he should run. Uh, if it's not a pre-called run, like when he's when he's escaping the pocket, and he does a good job of of you know he'll run out of bounds or or he'll get down, um, and so I I think you're probably right that we might see it a little bit less than last year because they have more weapons in the passing game, but I think it would be um, short-sighted to like take that away from his game when it is part of what makes him a good quarterback if he is what. Um, let's talk about the play calling, uh, Bo in the shift uh, to Shane Steichen. Um, you were there when when Nick was talking about it and diagramming plays on the wall and uh, Florida plays and um, insisting that it doesn't matter if it's Shane Steichen or Brian Johnson or Dom DeSandro or Julian Laurie or Bo Wolf. They're going to be run the same way no matter who's calling the plays. Is it a bigger deal? Is it a, 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 a not that big of a deal? What What's your take on a young head coach who was brought in as a play caller, pretty much giving it up by midseason? I think it's a positive. I like CEO coaches. What's What's your thoughts on on the shift I, in play calling? I think it's a positive because it shows some self reflection um, and some self diagnosis that like for him to recognize that there was a little bit too much going on. I think there is. I mean, I think it is is true that we might maybe make a little bit too much of it because it is still, you know, Sirianni's offense. The plays are are his plays, and it's not like that. It's not as important as designing the plays versus when to call them, right? And there is that that open communication. But I also think he's downplaying it to a degree as well. Like, I mean, he wants to make it seem like it's not a big deal. Obviously, it is a big deal. Um, he can't. You know, we asked him about this last summer, like. You're a first-time head coach, a first-time play caller. Are you really going to do all this stuff, you know, in your in your first time? And I think the same thing happened with Doug Peterson in, in 2016. 
um, that he went through the same process and said he was going to do everything. And after like three games in the preseason was like, yeah, this is, this is too much. And so uh, I think it shows growth that, that Sirianni is willing to uh, look into things and, and see what he can do better. But um, I think it probably, it like, you know, is it does Shane Steichen like light your uh, like football love on fire uh, as a mind? I'm not I'm not so sure that's the case, but I think um, I guess if we want to say that like the results from last year speak for themselves, that was that was pretty good. All right, Bo, I want to flip it over to the other side of the ball and talk some defense. Um, five weeks into the season, they got a Dallas Cowboy team coming into town for week number six. So you're working on a preview piece. For that uh, week, and you a long think- time in, in advance. Jeff. Yeah, I was like, give me a little break. Oh no, no, get no, it, no, get no, it no, in the can, it, Bo. Get gosh, it in the can. You're, you're that Thank good you. that we have faith that you've already started to plot out what your articles are going to look like. <laughs> that is not you. true. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, come on, play along with me here, Wolf. Um, <laughs> the week leading up to the Cowboy game. <laughs> Which phrase is going to more fit the article you're going to do on the Eagles' third-round draft pick, their rookie linebacker? Okay. Working through the startup costs of a rookie or significant contributions at linebacker from a rookie, which do you think is more likely a phrase that you would use to describe N'Kobe Dean's first five weeks in the NFL? How about Dean's list? A look uh, – the every play that Nakobe has made for this uh, improving Eagles defense. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think I think he's going to be a factor early on. I do. Um, I think. I mean, the, the Kaiser White thing is uh, like I, I thought that was a very good signing. Um, it made a lot of sense. He's exactly what you would expect that they needed for this defense. I mean, the defense last year was so soft over the middle of the field. That's really where they got killed on third down after third down after third down. It wasn't even that those guys like weren't asked to cover. It was that they were like, we're just giving up so much space. And I think that's because Gannon didn't trust those guys to cover whites, a former safety like that made sense. But this is like to, to John's question earlier, my, my sort of spider sense has been tingling about it all along because why was it that he was available for such a a reasonable price for a chargers defense that is going all in on their defense and is like pushing their chips to the middle of the table. Why were they willing to let him go? Um, so like we've seen in the past that that like free agent linebackers are not necessarily easy transitions, even if they, we expect them to be pretty solid. Now, White is a slight step above from, you know, the Eric Wilsons of the world. But I'm, I'm not so sure that he's going to step in and be a, a dominant factor right away. I think Nicobe Dean has a chance to be like the guy who plays the most snaps of all the of all three linebackers this season. I think if he's as good and as ready as um, as the Eagles think he is, I think I think there's a chance he's he's like very involved in this defense from week one on. And I, John, did you watch that? Uh, like the cooking uh, challenge, I did. Chop yeah. thing that they. Yeah. What a dynamic personality, leader. Oh, what yeah. a leader. I'm in. I'm yeah. I'm like. That that told me two things. I'm in on the Kobe Dean, and I'm out on Carson Strong. <laughs> He's really smart too, the Kobe Dean. I I, really smart, I don't yeah. know if people realize that, but yeah, from you know the Eagles could have two very smart, very instinctive linebackers for the first time in a long time. But I do think there's a lot of um, 
you know, is it going to be Nicobe at middle linebacker? I think TJ Edwards is the most underrated player on this team. I think he's going to be the middle linebacker. I think if Nicobe gets out there quickly, I'm with you. It's going to be for Kaiser White. Not well, and what I also think is interesting is with certain guys, you know, you bring them along slowly to your point about him being smart. Uh, you know, you learn one position, you master that, then you, you move to another. That's, you know, how Jeff Stoutland handles things on the offensive line, generally speaking. You know, my understanding is Nicobe Dean is learning all three spots um, yeah. or, or really, you know, mainly uh, Mike and Will. But he is being thrown everything because they think that he can handle everything. And um, I think I think. You know what they can do. It's it's similar to what I was talking about at wide receiver, where you've got maybe four guys for three spots. I think they're going to be doing plenty of rotation between those three guys for those two spots in the defense. But I, I think Nicobe Dean's going to be on the field early. I need you to look into your crystal ball again. I, I apologize in advance okay. for making you look down the line. Uh, you like to take it step by step by step, as you just told us. But give us the next step. The Eagles released Craig James yesterday. <laughs> With eight days to go before camp. They could have done it a week before, a month before, two months before. They could have waited a couple of days into camp and saw that he is or isn't in the, the, the best possible shape of his life. Why yesterday? So, What's so the corners. next shoe to fall? I will I thought they had to clear a spot anyway. Uh I, I thought they had one spot to clear. I could be wrong about that. But I mean, they have. Yeah, so... I get mixed up with Matt Leo. Is yeah, he still they... on the pathway? Is he still on the? He is. He still has yeah. an exemption. But I thought that he counted against the ninety, but not the fifty, or not the practice squad. But I, I could be wrong yeah. about that. Um, they just. I mean, I like Craig James too. He he was, uh, you know, solid, and he was a special teams captain in 2020. But they have so many corners. Uh, there was no chance that he was going to make this team. They want to see these young guys. I think. You know, they'll, they would they would say that they're doing him a favor. That means that he can uh, latch on somewhere else as camp starts. He doesn't have to join midway through. I think it's just it's just a numbers crunch. It was sort of there's yeah. there's not going to be there's 13, 13 yeah. corners on the on the 90 man roster. And they they do. I mean, they spent a lot of money on undrafted free agents and they yes. brought in three corners. Um Plus and, the guys they brought in last year, yeah, the, like all those young guys, your Tay yeah. Gowans, your your Kerry Vincents, your Mac McCain's. Yeah, and they talked about those guys up all off season. Then they get Bradbury. That's the thing. I mean, the Eagles give Fletcher Cox fourteen million. Then they get Jordan Davis. Um, they sign Kaiser White. Then they get Nicobe Dean. Um, they get all these corners, uh, and it and it kind of you kind of not necessarily were counting on it, and all of a sudden you got to readjust on the fly. Fletcher's an interesting player to me, Bo, because they rebooted the contract, but they gave him $14 million on top of it. So they got him on a year-to-year plan, but I can't get over that number. At $14 million, they expect him to be a big part of this defense, correct? Or am I reading that wrong? Yeah, I'm I'm sort of with you. That's the the one move of the offseason that didn't really make sense to me. Um, and not because you don't need a, t- a defensive tackle. I mean, obviously, you don't know that you're going to end up with Jordan Davis when when you re-sign Fletcher Cox, but that number is nuts, to your point. Like, there were other solid defensive tackles who were still on the market when they re-signed Fletcher Cox and who were signed for, you know, $7, 8000000 million. Like, you know, a guy like William Golston or something like that, who might not be quite as good as Fletcher Cox, but um, is, is comparable based on C- Cox's 
production last year. And the other thing that's that's sort of odd to me is, I mean, they you know they love Fletcher Cox in the building. You know how he gets to uh, hold him up as one of his his best draft picks. He's a sort of a franchise uh, legend. But like, is he the best? You know, good soldier. We've seen him like publicly questioning defensive stuff before. He always scoffs when being asked about uh, production dropping. And given what they have now, um, like I'm not I'm not expecting he's going to play quite as much. I think they're going to try to. Uh, rotate those four defensive tackles with Javon Hargrave, Milton Williams, and Jordan Davis to keep all those guys fresh. Like Milton Williams was really good last year. I think he needs to be on the field. And if that's at the expense of Fletcher Cox, I think that's fine. So we'll see how he handles that. Uh, You know, they they have a better sense of his locker room presence than I do. But um, that move to me, just it's the one thing of the offseason that that didn't make full sense. All right, Bo Wolf, I'm going to give you one more shot here. I'm giving you more credit than you're willing to take, that you have an eye on the future, even though you say you don't write articles six weeks in advance. You know, but... all I'm focused on, Jody, is is the most important thing as we enter training camp, defending my back-to-back-to-back. Oh, yeah. Sure. I, 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 yeah. That's the number one thing that everybody yeah. is paying attention to as we enter camp. Can he do the impossible? And I, he you know I'm going to be in, in second row? place. You know I'm going to be in second place, Bo. Of course. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the young guys don't seem to take it as seriously. I don't know. I can't get into it as much. But you're the champion. Maybe that's why I'm downplaying. And, Bo, don't kid yourself. It's rubbing salt in the wounds to McMullen. He is so pissed off that <laughs> oh, you I'm going to beat you. Unbelievably so. No one, we, I mean, no we, we don't want to mention that while he's still in a row. Could um, you imagine? I, yeah. I feel like they just send me to Canton if that happens. Yeah. 16, All right, here's where I'm going to make you practice squad. By the earn way, your living above and beyond. See, that's why I thought you'd have the answer for why the hell Craig James was cut yesterday. That you'd already know what the roster move was going to include. Uh, but I'll go in a different direction here. I'll give you $1,000. Thank you. But you have to I'll wait. I'll see you later. <laughs> you can't put it in your wallet. You can't fund your kid's college fund down the road. No, no, no. You have to turn around and wager it. And here's your bet. You can either get even money odds on the Eagles winning the NFC East or someone else winning the NFC East. Mm. You've taken three for one the upset special with either the commanders or the giants or the defending champion, which we know the defending champion has not won the NFC East, what 17 consecutive years, or you get the Eagles where you're putting a thousand dollars to win the NFC East this year. I'm definitely putting on the field. I mean, I I think, um, I think it's like, you probably would say that it's a toss up between the Eagles and Cowboys. And you're also giving me the the unlikelihood, but the possibility of two other teams. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to make some money here, Jody. You know, uh, I would definitely go with the field just because it, I mean, any you know, a, a quarterback injury, you know, uh, any other injury that's uh, you know to a significant player knocks things down for the Eagles. There's there there are too many variables to go with the Eagles over the field. I think. Yeah, but uh, that that yeah. that injury to Jalen Hurts could just as easily come to Dak Prescott. And if that happens, the Cowboys sure. are screwed too. Yeah, I mean, I, I if you ask me who I think is going to win the division, I probably would say the Eagles, but I would definitely take the field over them. That's a fair point. I I think that's the smart bet, and he's a smart man, just like Nicobe Dean at Bo underscore Wolf. Read him at theathletic.com backslash Philly. Um, one Spurs with friends. Uh, the finale 
with our buddy Shield Kapadia. Mm. You got to say goodbye. Thursday so, night. Say goodbye. Thursday night at eight o'clock. Our our YouTube channel. We will be live with the fifth annual Osprey Awards. A celebration to say goodbye. Celebration. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's celebration. And Jody, I'll send you my Venmo so you can send me that thousand. <laughs> uh, I will. Um, but uh, I'll be covering it. So when the Eagles win the division, I'm going to expect that thousand bucks back. Deal. Ah, Bo, good stuff. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much. Since you're well uh, dressed for it, go outside and have a catch. He's warming up. I like it. But Wolf here with us on Birds 365. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, we're coming back. we got to put a bow on the show. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Got your Mega Mac guys, McCollin and McDonald here with the first 365. We thank Bo Wolf for having on board. It was fun when uh, Bo takes a couple minutes and joins us. 
right. Uh, let me follow up on the question I asked him and put it to you, John McMullen. You can either have the Eagles to win the division or you can have the Cowboys and just add the Giants and the, the Commodores to the mix. Uh, commanders, call them whatever you want. Commies is what my partner on the weekend, Glenn Macnow, calls them, uh, which is humorous. Can't call them, but... can't call them the R word. I uh, can't call them that, but you can call them the commies. Okay. Um, I, I don't think either Washington or New York has a chance to win this division. I think it's a two-team race, and I think the Eagles have the lead as of right now. So do you take the lead dog, or do you just add the extra minimal value that it is to get the Giants or Washington? If I mean, both- I, yeah, I think the smart play is to take the field, but I do think the Eagles are the favorites in the division. One of the reasons why, Jody, you mentioned, obviously any team can get derailed normally by the quarterback getting hurt. The Eagles are better equipped to handle that than anybody. Maybe, well, maybe you can argue Washington. We talked about Taylor Heineke and his moxie, but I think Gardner Minshew is the best backup. So I do think the Eagles should be the favorite. I do think the Eagles are the favorite, but I take the field. I, 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 I think it's a smarter bet. All right, so let me ask you this question. If there is a team out there in the National Football League where you had the choice of taking that team in their division or their three rivals, if it's not the Eagles in the NFC East, what team in what division is it that you say, all right, I'll take this one team over the three other squads? That's a a good question. I got to go through this real quick. Um Probably, I think I know where you're going. It, 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 it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be Tampa Bay or Green Bay, and they're neck and neck. And I probably go Green Bay because I don't think a lot of people think Minnesota could 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 jump. I don't, I don't think with a rookie head coach, I don't think it's going to happen. So I, I would lean towards Green Bay. See, and I thought you were going to go the other way because you are less of a fan coming into the season of the New Orleans Saints than I am. I actually think the Saints could have a winning record, which I know Eagle fans stinks because the Eagles have the Saints first round pick. But I still think Jameis has a little game. Uh, I'm not going to elevate Dennis Allen to uh, coach of the year status, but he has been – Peyton Who hates right Dennis here, Allen? Jeff Kerr, our buddy Jeff Kerr, can't stand Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I'm not as big a detractor, and I think that uh, the continuity that they keep by keeping him as the head coach uh, with Peyton walking away actually is advantageous. Um, so it comes down to me. See, I think the Falcons and the Panthers are both going to be really bad. Yeah, no, but I that's think, where I think the Lions and the Bears are both going to Right. Be I was going to say, the yeah. Lions and the Bears yeah. are equally bad, so it comes down to which of the two teams do you think is going to be better, Vikings and or Saints? Yeah, I think the Saints are going to be better than the Vikings. So I would take my shot uh, uh, with the... But then oh, you, you said go to Packers. Bay. You ended up with Packers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree with that. I, I agree. I, those are one, two, and it might be one, one A. I mean, I think those two teams have the easiest path to be division champions. But yeah, if I go, is it so to me, is it Green Bay or Tampa Bay? Slight edge to Green Bay for that reason. Um, 
I think I don't think New Orleans is great. I don't think they're terrible. I don't think the Vikings are terrible. I don't think they're great. I I probably give them because of the experience. And you know, even though Den- Dennis Allen is a first year head coach in New Orleans, he's not a first time head coach. Kevin O'Connell's 36 first time head coach. There's going to be some growing pains there. We uh, do like the Eagles schedule this upcoming year. It is not tremendously difficult, but one place where they uh, actually didn't get the benefit of doubt in the schedule. I'd rather play the Saints week two and the Vikings week 17 than playing the Vikings week two and the Saints week 17. Because I think the Saints and, and James could get hurt, but I think they will get better over the course of the year once they transition and it's become Dennis Allen's team. And oh, by the way, Alvin Kamara probably going to be suspended start of the season. I'd rather see him out for the game against the Eagles. And if they had him week two, that would be the case. By week 17, even though the NFL is dragging its feet on all things suspension these days, uh, I'm assuming that Alvin Kamara will be back for the Saints by week 17. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, if you're playing the Saints, you don't want Alvin Kamara on the field. I mean, he's he's difficult to deal with. You remember Malcolm Jenkins giving Sean Payton the finger on the sidelines because he was he was playing with Malcolm with Alvin Kamara. He is a really really good, really dynamic player. Uh, the Vikings have Alvin Cook though, so it's kind of uh, one. It, it's going to be interesting. The Vikings going to be interesting, obviously, from the Jefferson perspective, and that's going to say a lot about uh, Jonathan Gannon's defense early because, you know, the Eagles have good corners. We talked about it yesterday on the show, Jody, at least the starters. You know, what can they do with a with a quarterback that throws for a lot of yards and a receiver that puts up big numbers? That's going to be a, a good early test for this Eagles defense. Agreed. All right, uh, that'll put a wrap on today's show. We thank Bo Wolf for hopping on. Looking forward to tomorrow's show. We've got two good guests um, one of which we've had on before, and when he came on with us, he was very good, uh, making his second appearance on Birds 365, and one making his first. And shame on me that I never asked him to come on with us before. Uh, early, we'll get the voice of the Eagles and Espanol, Ricky Ricardo, who I know you talk to all the time, Ricky's always recruiting you for his WIP shows. Uh, so the voice of the Eagles in Spanish uh, will be with us tomorrow. Ricky Most Ricardo. of the New York Early. Yankees in Spanish as well. And sometimes in English, now that John Sterling is yeah, taking. That's some uh, billing for Sterling these days. So we're uh, looking forward to talking to Ricardo tomorrow. And Mr. Takeoff Podcast himself, John Clark's going to hop aboard in hour number two. So we got two good guests planned for you tomorrow. I'm here tomorrow. Mick Mullen, COVID allowing, which I think I'm yeah, 100 You sound great, I'm not by even the way. I don't even, I don't even ask about the COVID anymore. You have completely turned the corner. I'm I am say. 100%. Yeah. I am good to go, and I will be good to go tomorrow. You going to be here with me? I'm going to be here. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, 
We're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.